spend most of his time in the home of the 21st century. This equipment here will allow him to carry on normal business activities without ever going to an office away from home. This console provides a summary of news relayed by satellite from all over the world. Now to get a newspaper copy for permanent reference, I just turn this button and out it comes. When I've finished catching up on the news, I might uh, check the latest weather. This same screen can give me the latest report on the stocks I might own. A telephone is this instrument here, a mock-up of a possible future telephone. This would be the mouthpiece. Now, if I want to see the people I'm talking with, I just turn the button and there they are. Over here, as I work on this screen, I can keep in touch with other rooms of the house through a closed circuit television system. With equipment like this in the home of the future, we may not have to go to work. The work would come to us. In the 21st century, it may be that no home will be complete without a computerized communications console. Oh, yes. Technology makes things simple. That was from 1967. Walter Cronkite speaking about the, the office of the future with all the technology, the hopes of the future. That was 50 years ago. Man hadn't yet walked on the moon. And uh, he was pretty close, wasn't he? You know, that, that was 2001 they were projecting that would be. 2001, we have those things. We just have them on this. You know, we can walk around and technology makes things simple. You know, we live in an age in a world where uh, the hope is that technology will make life much more simple. So, for example, I can wake up in the morning and... I can, instead of having to go down to the newsagent to get a newspaper, the Courier Mail of the Australian, I can just walk out to my back deck with my phone, my digital device, and basically find any news service around the globe and sit there and catch up on the news. You know, if my car is broken and I need to get to work on my phone, I can order an Uber taxi. I can see where that taxi is coming from. I can agree to the price and I can know when I can arrive at work. When I get home, maybe I can go for a walk. And I've done this with Megan. We go out for a walk uh, with the kids. And instead of, you know, having to cook dinner that night, we decide, you know what, we really feel like pizza. So we open up the Domino's app. And we choose our pizzas and then we decide when we want to pick them up or when we want them delivered. Later on that night as we're hanging out with the family, because Megan is American and most of her family is overseas, we could just open up our phone and call them on Skype or FaceTime and look at them and have a chat. We, we can do relationship from here to London, here to Fort Lauderdale, wherever we need to connect with. You know, technology makes things simple. That's the hope of technology. But if I was to ask you right now, in 2017, how you're doing, I reckon over 50% of you would respond with what? I'm, I'm busy. I'm busy. 
with all the technology. Thank you, Walter, for, you know, all the computers. We've got it all on this. With all the advancement, the technology that makes things quicker, more efficient, more simple, we are still busy. Now, we've still got to-do lists. I've got a to-do list on my phone. And I, I've got to be honest with you, I'm a bit of a slave to my to-do list. And the thing with to-do lists is that there's always things to do. You know, it doesn't matter how quickly I swipe across that to-do, there is always another something that's just waiting there to be done. You know, we kind of do a to-do to get rid of the thing off our list so that we can do something else that pops up on our list. I don't know whether you're a paper person, whether you are a to-do list person or not. I don't care. The reality is, is that we do get caught often in the busyness of life. And yes, technology may have made things simpler or we can be more efficient, but that just means that we do more stuff. There's more stuff to do. And the reports say that we, in 2017, apart from the, you know, despite the promises of 1967, even though we've got technology to enable us to do the things that we want to do, the fact of the matter is, is that we are more tired, we are more anxious, we're more stressed than we have ever been. We've ever been. And maybe you're here to, today and you are feeling that. You are feeling tired, ancient. Uh, ancient. You may be feeling ancient. I know I do. Four young kids. Um, anxious and exhausted. It's a little bit like getting on a treadmill. Now, I enjoy running. Let's see if we can get this thing to work. Last time I did this, I almost fell off. So watch out. Alrighty, so I, I, does anyone here like running? Anyone? Anyone here run on a treadmill? Some of you, I don't, get, I don't get the whole treadmill thing. I think it's ridiculous. Here we go. It's a little bit like, you know, you look at these, you look at mouse cages, and you know how they, they, you, and they put them in wheels just to keep them, that's exactly what a treadmill's like, I reckon. It's just like a mouse in a wheel, kind of going, I need to get fit, so I'm going to run on a wheel. Uh, anyway. That's, uh, that's beside the point. You know, we might start out in life, we may, you know, start work or career or get a mortgage or whatever and married in a relationship, into a career, family, study, whatever it is, and we feel good. Like, I'm feeling good now. I'm feeling comfortable. I set my priorities. I set my focus. I know what's going on, and I'm in the groove. We continue to go through life, we continue to go in our career, marriage, whatever it is, and you know, life just gets busier. That to-do list, that starts to get a little bit longer, and you just need to start moving a little bit quicker. Now, the thing is, is that your margins now in life are reducing a little bit. You know, you can still manage the to-do list, you can still do things, but you know, it's a bit of work now. You're still prioritizing, right? You've got your main things up the top. But all of a sudden, things start to get a little bit more hectic. And then it feels like you're going up a hill. <laughs> right. The inclines. And your to-do list gets longer and longer and longer. Now, things are starting to fall off, like I'm about to start falling off. And you're running as hard as you can. 
You're trying to keep up with everything, the priorities, whether that's your mortgage, your career, relationships, friendships, family, whatever it is, and you're getting tired. <laughs> and you had it, and you're done, and you can't keep going. You've lost your joy, and all you want to do is stop. Woo! Thank the Lord for one of these. Emergency stop buttons. Why do I flog myself, myself every time I get up here? I'm not quite sure. But that's the reality. I reckon there's people here this morning, and you're sitting here, and you're feeling like how I feel right now. Maybe not physically exhausted, but actually the grind of life. The things of life are getting too much. You know, you've set some priorities in your life. You've set some targets and some goals. You've given yourself to them. But they've got too much. And you need to grab one of these right now. And you need to stop. And my prayer that over today and over this series is that you will learn what it means to stop. Because Jesus makes things simple. We have this profound ability to complicate things, to make things difficult. Oh, Brendan, thank you. You realize I only did that because I've got to get my step count up. Got a big target for the week and thought, how am I going to do it on a Sunday? I'll get a treadmill on the stage. Great idea. Jesus makes things simple. We have a, this ability to complicate things, to fill things out, but Jesus makes things simple. And over the course of this series, we'll be looking at big issues, big parts of our life, marriage, relationships, work, money, all really important things, all really vital things, but all things that can wear us down if we don't get our priorities right, if we don't get the things in order that we need to get in order, because everything starts with our priorities. It starts with our love. It starts with what we see is most important. You see, you prioritize what you love. You prioritize what you love. And this morning we're going to look at a beautiful story, a story that I love reading. It's probably a story that you are familiar with, the story of Mary and Martha. When I read this story, it's like the rain that has been falling from heaven over the last day. It drenches my soul. And my prayer is that this morning, your soul will be drenched by the Spirit of God as we look at this passage. So Luke chapter 10. Let's open up our Bibles. Let's start at Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. This wonderful, short, simple story. The words will be on the screen behind me if you don't have your Bible with you. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, 
he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell, me to help. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You know, I think there's some things that we can learn here about priorities in this story of Martha and Mary's engagement with Jesus. Firstly, we look at Martha and her engagement with Jesus as Jesus has come through with his disciples and he has come to their home. And we see firstly that it's Martha's distractions that point to her priorities. It's Martha's distractions that point to her priorities. She is distracted about the work that needs to get done, the hospitality that needs to be provided for. She is fulfilling the cultural role of a woman in that time. If a man came into the home on a journey, it would be her role to make him comfortable. It would be her role to make sure that he was looked after, that he was well fed, that the house was clean and tidy. That was the cultural role, that was the cultural expectation. And she was distracted by all these things. Her distractions pointed to her priorities. I'm sure you know this as well. You know when you're talking to somebody whether you are their priority or not. You know when you're not their priority because they'll be looking across your shoulder, they'll be looking around, they'll be looking at their watch, they'll be looking at your phone. You know that kind of experience, don't you? It's not a good one when you know that you are not somebody's priority. Martha's distractions pointed to her priority. Our distractions point to our priorities. I reckon this is a real challenge for those of us who are committed to work. You know, I, I, this is a journey for me and a challenge for me, something that I'm working through. I've got to be honest, as I'm preaching this message, I'm preaching to me right now because this is a big challenge for me. I've had to work and making sure that when I drive down the driveway coming home from work, that I say, and I have to say this to myself, Andrew, the next three hours are not your hours. Andrew, you need to be engaged with your wife and your children. You need to leave that phone where it is. You need to leave those emails. You need to forget about the things of work and the things that are consuming your mind. You cannot be distracted. Be present, be engaged. You know, that's a challenge for me. I reckon that's a big challenge for a bunch of us. We get so consumed with work that actually it distracts us from being present with the people that really matter. You know, maybe we're distracted with other, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, non-important relationships. You know, more and more with the rise of social media, we're always checking our notifications because of Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or emails or texts. And we're worried about, if I don't get back in the next 30 seconds, what will that person think about me? Or if I don't respond, I've got to be engaged. There's this fear of missing out. 
It's not important, but we get consumed with it. We get distracted by it. It says something of your priorities. Our distractions point to our priorities. Martha's distractions pointed to her, her priorities. We see that Martha's frustrations also point to her priorities. You know, she's running around frustrated that other people don't understand the same priorities and expectations. You can imagine she's hurrying around trying to get the house ready. There's just a, a fuse that is about to go off because she's watching Mary do squat diddly nothing. She's getting frustrated because Mary doesn't understand or have the same priorities. It's a real challenge. I reckon that there are, we can tell our frustrations and our priorities by our margin. What I mean by this is when something goes wrong or if something just knocks you off, how quickly are you to get frustrated and angry? I know that my priorities aren't right if I find myself getting really frustrated with my kids or something goes wrong and I'm snappy. Martha's frustrations point to her priorities. And thirdly, Martha's anxieties and her worries point to her priorities. You know, I reckon anxiety, is, as Jesus says, he, he speaks to Martha and he says, as he speaks to Martha, he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried by so many things. And I imagine Jesus saying that to you, to me, Andrew, Andrew, you are worried about many things. And anxiety is, that, is just growing in our society. As we try and keep up with life, as we try and keep up with experiences. See, the profound thing about Martha here is that she was anxious because she sought to please God or Jesus. She was anxious because she wanted to please Jesus. You see, anxiety works its way out often when we're worried about how we will be received, how we're being perceived. We worry about what other people think about us. It's not the only reason why we get anxious, but I think it's a big one. We're actually doing things out of a sense of a desire to be accepted. We're anxious because we desperately long to be loved. And this is in stark difference to Mary. Mary has a, a profound, amazing posture. Mary's priority was not looking after Jesus. Mary's priority was not making sure that Jesus had food or that he was comfortable. Mary's priority was to be with Jesus. Mary's priority was just to sit at Jesus' feet. There's this amazing posture that we read this morning where Mary comes and she sits at the feet of Jesus, this wonderful, wonderful posture. It's a posture of presence and it's a posture of peace. Mary is saying, I am going to give my presence to Jesus. 
I'm going to kneel at his feet. I'm going to focus on him. I'm going to give him my attention. I'm going to give him my very being. I feel safe with him. I feel like I don't need to earn favor. I feel like I don't need to do stuff for him. I just want to be with him. It's this wonderful sense of peace that you see in the position of Mary as she kneels at Jesus' feet. But I want to say there is actually something really profound about this. Something really profound about this picture. You know, it'd be very easy to read this story and go, this is about activity and contemplation. And what Jesus, the, the whole message of the story is not to do stuff, but just to sit with God. And that's not true. This is about priorities. This is about actually getting our priorities right and about where we find our identity. But actually there's something more profound going on here about how we are to see Jesus. There's something profound in what Mary is doing. You see, Mary comes and she kneels at the feet of Jesus and Jesus begins to teach. Now, in that context and that culture, that would be deeply, deeply offensive. Why? Because that was the place of a man. A woman had no right to kneel at the feet of a teacher or a rabbi and learn. That was the role of a man. We read in Acts chapter 22 that uh, Luke writes about Paul before he was Paul, when he was Saul, and he was uh, a trainee, a rabbi trainee, and it says that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the famous um, Pharisees, rabbis, teachers. You see, in that context, in that culture, Martha was actually doing something that was reserved for the man. Now you can understand why Martha is getting so wound up because Mary is sitting there. Did I just say Martha instead of Mary? This could happen a little bit today. It's a little bit confusing. You can see why Martha is getting so wound up because she's watching Mary, who is taking the role of a man and not fulfilling what she should be doing, which is the role of a woman in serving the man, in serving Jesus. I reckon this is profound on two counts. Firstly, Mary has the courage to do something that is deeply countercultural. She understands the cultural norms. She understands the expectations. And she says, you know what? I don't care because I want to be with Jesus. I want to sit at Jesus' feet. I want to learn this is my place. And Jesus is absolutely okay with it. In fact, he affirms it. He says, Mary has chosen the one thing, the one priority that matters. That's sitting at my feet and learning. I reckon this is profound for us too because we live in an age and a world that is full of to-do lists, full of expectations. And we go, go through life trying to keep up with the Joneses. You know, it's kind of cool to say when someone asks you, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, flat out. Yeah, I'm busy, there's, just, there's, there's so much going on. I am so tired. You know, I'm so busy. Just, you know, it's full on. You know, there's kudos around that in our culture. We want to be seen to be busy doing things, producing, keeping up, paying off that mortgage, pursuing that career, having wonderful kids, whatever it is. As long as we are keeping up with the cultural norms, Jesus invites, and Mary does this, invites us to come away, 
Now, again, hear me. I'm not saying that we are not called to produce and be productive or do any of that. Again, this is about priorities. This is about priorities. Where we find our identity and where we move from. Mary has the courage to be countercultural and to see the world in a different way. You got the courage to do that. The second profound thing about this is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is for absolutely everyone. Doesn't matter whether you're male or female, you're rich or poor, what nationality or race you are. Doesn't matter where you've come from, what your story is. Doesn't matter your background or even what you're doing right now. Jesus looks at you and says, I love you, come close to me, I want to pour my life into you. That is the wonderful, profound good news of the Christian faith. The wonderful news of Jesus is that we are not invited into religion, but we're invited into an intimate relationship, not based on what we've done or how good we are, but based on how good he is and what he has done. See, the problem with Martha was that she thought she could win Jesus' approval by ticking a whole bunch of boxes. Martha approached Jesus and says, Jesus, will you accept me because I've cleaned the house and I've prepared this meal and I've done all this stuff. Love me. Accept me. And Mary goes, I know that I don't need to. I can't. I just want to be in his presence. That's relationship. Let me tell you, that is the invitation of the Christian faith. Can I hear an amen? It's profound. It invites us in. The truth of the gospel, that Jesus has come for us and he makes a way for us, invited us in to relationship with himself. i tell you what that does. It means that we can now learn and we can come and we can love God. Love God not based on what we do, but we respond to God because of what he has done for us. We see in an encounter in Matthew 22, this, this kind of wrestle again with religion versus relationships. See, this is the vision. This is how Jesus simplifies things. Jesus is challenged by the Pharisees who are always out to test and trick him. And they come and they ask a question, which I'm going to read now. And we see what Jesus does to these Pharisees. Let's read Matthew 22, 34, following. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Simple. Love God. Love God. Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Love God. You see, the Pharisees had this amazing way of complicating everything, adding to the to-do list. You know, we had the Torah, which is the, 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 the law that was, we can find in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. 
And they knew all those, and they'd added over 600 additional laws to that. Why? I reckon a whole bunch of them had well-meaning. You know, we just want to be better. We want to do things better. We want God to, lo to love us. We want to be holy. You know, the word holy gets kicked about. Holy. We want to be pleasing. We want to be righteous. So we're just going to dump 600 more laws into it. And then they come to Jesus and they say, come on, Jesus, what do you say? And Jesus goes, love God. Love God. Jesus summarizes everything. He says, you know what? Just obey the first commandment. Have no other idols before me. Just put me at the top. Make me the priority. Make me the number one priority. And then everything else can fall from that. Martin Luther said that all we need out of the Ten Commandments is the first one. The reason we have nine others is because we fail to keep the first one. We struggle to keep the first one of loving God and giving our whole heart, making Him the priority, that we mess up. So we've got a whole bunch of other laws to help us out. It's simple. Simple. Love God. And it's really hard. The thing is with Jesus, He makes things really simple, but that doesn't make it easy. It's simple to understand, but sometimes really hard to apply. But it is important. It is important. The truth of the reality is, is that we are invited into a loving relationship with God. Love God. It's an invitation. We love God because He first loved us. We are invited to walk alongside Him. We're invited to love Him. Be in relationship with him, just like Mary. Be in relationship with him. You know what? Jesus modeled this. I love the way that Jesus modeled his relationship with God. Often we would see him just steal away and spend time with the Father. Go up to a mountain for an evening and, and just spend time in the presence of his Father. We need to make Jesus our number one priority. Everything flows from that. Love God. What does that look like for you? Well, it takes focus. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes work. It just doesn't happen. You know, I'm married, I've been married to Megan not, not that long compared to a whole bunch of other years. I've been married for seven and a half years. And, um, and I know that marriage is wonderful. It's a wonderful relationship. But it takes work. It takes time. It takes fo focus. It takes energy. And that's the same with our relationship with God. It takes time, focus, energy, planning. It also has spontaneity. You know, Jason talks uh, regularly, and recently he even said as well, that for him he takes a crate and goes down to the dam when he realizes that maybe his priorities are getting mixed up and he needs to see clearly. He'll go and sit by the dam and talk to God. I don't like sitting down. I'm a bit of a mover. If you've watched me preach, you kind of get that idea. For me, I have to, I have to go and go bush. I walk. I'll just go and walk around the bush of Gateway like a, you know, People just kind of see me randomly walking around. Like, what are you doing? Are you lost? Like, no, no, no. It's all, like, all good. Um, 
For me, that's how I disconnect and I go, God, my heart is being stirred up. I'm confused. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling anxious. I need you. I need to get you back at number one. What does it look like for you? What does it look like for you to reset your life and to walk with God, making sure that His voice and His ways are the loudest, most compelling in your life? Jesus says it's simple. It's simple. Love God. Love God. And from that place then, we are then free to to love others and we are free to love life. Matthew 22, let's go back to it because Jesus doesn't finish there. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he goes, there's another one that's a little bit like it. Love others, love your neighbor, as you love yourself. Jesus says that all the commandments can be wrapped up in two. One, love God and love people, including yourself. Love God and love people. When we understand that we are loved by God, when we understand understand that we're in a loving, safe relationship with God, then we are free to love without contingency. We are free to love without the demand for anything back. We do not love. True love does not love to then receive love back. We do not give and serve and love so that we will receive that love back. That's not true love. That's contingent. That's self-motivated. We do not love, we do not give ourselves to somebody else so that we will receive approval or affection. That is not true love. True love must and always be self-giving and self-sacrificial. It must never demand anything in return, ever. That's not love. That is why God could come. This is why God came, because God is love. God gave himself for us. God was free to love us because he is love. And he gives himself to us. And we look at the story of Jesus. If you continue to read the Gospels, if you continue to read the story in Luke, you see that Jesus walks to Jerusalem. Jesus is full of love. We see him completely unhurried. Why? Because he's in a loving relationship with the Father. He is completely free, completely free to love because he knows he is loved. And he walks, I love it, as you see the stories, as he walks along the journey and there's, the disciples are with him and there's a blind beggar crying out, someone help me, someone help me, and the disciples just want to keep Jesus moving along. There is something wonderfully unhurried about Jesus He's not juggling anything. He hasn't got to get to another schedule, another appointment. He doesn't have a long list of to-dos. He sees a man who needs to be healed. He stops unhurried and addresses and speaks to that man with compassion and heals him. And even when he is in a hurry, he's off to heal some daughter somewhere. He's rushing through the crowd and a woman reaches out and grabs his cloak Instead of going, I've got another appointment to make, it's really important. He turns around and says, who touched me? And then with great compassion, engagement, focus, loves. 
Jesus models for us what it means to be for the other. And if you want the greatest act, then you see him walk up a hill and you see him stretch out his arms and give his life in love for us, for all our brokenness, all our sin, all our shame, all our wrong priorities, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be free, so that we can know that we are loved by God, and so that we can be in an eternal relationship with him. It changes everything. Let me tell you, if you know that you are loved by the Creator God, it allows you, it frees you to love without contingency. It frees you to love people without any desire for anything in return. We are free to love people. And then finally, this is the promise of Jesus, I have come to give life and life to the full, the promise of Jesus, when we love God, when we get our priorities right, is we ultimately love life. There's some freedom about the way in which we can walk with God, just as Jesus walked. You know, I was driving, uh, a week or so ago, I was driving into work, and I, I, I wasn't particularly busy at the time, it, was, I, I was, it wasn't a big day, but as I was driving in, it was pretty early, I was having this whinge to God, saying, God, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, and I'm anxious, and I don't want to go to work, which is probably not good, I probably shouldn't say that. Um, we've all been there. I just, and there was a dis-ease in me, there was a frustration in me, and I started to talk to God about it. And I felt like God direct me to a well-known passage just in my heart. He was very gracious with me. He said, Andrew, Andrew, your priorities. Andrew, you've you've made other things your priority. Andrew, I need to spend time with you. Andrew, you need to talk to me. You need to spend time with me. He brought this passage, and you may have heard it. I'm sure you have before. I want to read from the the message paraphrase of this, and I want you to receive this for yourself because I believe that this is a, a passage for all of us here. I believe that God wants to speak to us through this, this morning. It's from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. It's the Eugene Peterson paraphrase, which I think speaks really clearly to some of the stuff we've been doing, looking at this morning. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I want to ask if, as you sit here this morning, that's where you're at. Whether you're feeling like you're burned out on religion, 
You're burned out on wrong priorities. You're frustrated. You're distracted. You're anxious. And you feel like you're on a treadmill and you don't know how to get off. You're exhausted. You're exhausted. This morning, Jesus provides you the opportunity to pull the stop button. Right now, Jesus says, stop. Stop. You have picked up wrong priorities. You've put wrong yokes on you. You've loaded yourself up. You're burdened down with things that ultimately don't matter. Come to me. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. Rest in me. That is the promise of a relationship with Jesus. It's the picture of Mary kneeled at the feet of Jesus saying, I just want to be with you. And you're sitting here this morning and you go, I know I've got things wrong. I know that I've started to get wrong priorities in my life. A bunch of us here I know, as we come into the last term of the year, you're feeling tired and you know that you've been knocked off and there needs to be a realignment of priorities. There's going to be an opportunity in a moment for you to respond, but before we do that, I just I feel like I need to create a moment and a space for, for some people here who you haven't yet made Jesus that priority in your life at all. You're sitting here, maybe this is your first time in church, or maybe you've been coming for years and years and years and you've been sitting there and you've been hearing the stories of Jesus and the hope of Jesus, but you've never said, Jesus, I want you in my life. I recognize that I'm in need of you and I need to make you the priority in my life. Let me tell you that there is hope for you this morning, that you can invite Jesus into your life. You can say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want that rest. I want that hope. I want to create a moment for you right now to say yes to Jesus and make him a priority. Why don't we just bow our heads and close our eyes across this place right now? And as we sit here and as you sit here this morning, you know that today is the day. You want this peace. You want that peace that Mary has. You want that rest in your soul. You know that you need Jesus. You want to respond to him this morning. I'm going to ask you something brave is just to stick your hand up high in the sky, just around this place, with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you this morning, you want to say yes to Jesus, just stick your hand up high in the sky. Right now. Right now. Awesome. I see that hand, mate. Awesome. Fantastic. Anybody else? Anybody else? Now's the time. Now's the time to say yes to Jesus, to make him the priority and receive hope, life, rest. Anybody else? Thank you, mate. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Just a few more moments. I don't want you to miss this opportunity. We do not get these opportunities every day to pull that stop switch and take this moment. Anybody else? Stick your hand up high in the sky. Hey, that's awesome. Hey, why don't we join with this uh, gentleman who stuck his hand up. Why don't we all pray, if you're happy to do, just above a whisper, out loud with me. 
and join with this, this fellow as he uh, stuck his hand up. Let's pray together. Pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you invite me into a radical relationship. I realize that I've walked from you. I realize I've had other priorities in my life other than you. And I'm sorry. I turn away from those things and I turn towards you. Will you forgive me? Will you come into my life? I make you my number one priority. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't we give that guy a hand? Why don't we stand? Let's stand together. Hey, in the last few minutes is where we're going to worship in a moment. I'm going to ask you to do something. If you believe that God has been speaking to you this morning, about where you're at right now. Believe God is wanting to uh, move in your heart to realign your priorities and your purposes and to drink from the living well afresh. I'm going to ask you to do what Mary did this morning. It's going to take a bit of courage, but she had some courage in her culture as well. I invite you to come down the front and just say, Jesus, I realize I need to get my priorities right with you again. I'm going to invite you to come down the front. I'm just going to ask you just to do something symbolic, just like Mary did, and that's to kneel. Kneel at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm making you my priority again. Can we do that? I reckon there's a bunch of us who need to do it this morning, and I, I know that God will refresh you, He will fill you, and He'll give you a new energy as we come to the end of this year. So right now, Come on, come out from where you are. Come down to the front and kneel. Come on. Keep coming. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. And then a little bit later on, we'd love to pray. But I just feel like you just need to do some business. Those who come forward, just kneel. Just imagine like you are in front of Jesus, at the feet of Jesus. Just receive His Word. Receive His grace afresh. Receive His vitality in life. Come on, I think there's more. Have courage. Come as we worship. Come and kneel at the feet of Jesus this morning.